0: how you build rivalries and that's how you build atmosphere.
1: Edwards three-pointer is good! This team is right
0: there with anybody else in, in the country. Corner! Corner! They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruning. Joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. And Ish, um, it feels like things are calming down a little bit, but it's still very much the football and basketball overlap and high school football. I was obviously in the playoffs, so you're you're plenty busy. How are you doing? Oh
0: yeah, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be heading home this week for Thanksgiving, but I'm gonna be uh, heading to the Alamo Dome on Friday for a triple header. So that should be. Uh... Love I, I usually try to hit up the Alamo. The Alamo Dome usually does a triple header at least once or twice throughout the playoffs. So I usually try to hit it up, and I'm very excited uh, for any high school fans out there. We get to see uh, DJ Lagway take on DeSoto, so I'm very pumped about that one.
1: Yeah, DJ Lagway is legit. Um, but it was a big basketball week. So last week we only did one podcast. Uh, we were mm-hmm. everywhere, scrambled around. Uh, this week we'll be. So back like you were
0: you were partying up in Charlotte. <laughs>
1: in uh charleston 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 Charleston, yeah even better everybody when you should see people's face when they when i you know i told them i was going to charleston like oh man that is they were like that's it's like new orleans but without all the bad stuff that's what everybody said (laughs) so so i was like all right so we went there um i mean i was just watching basketball there for the most part we went out to a couple of nice food spots but um yeah overall it was it was a fun trip i'll talk about that a little bit on this pod as well just for what we saw from north texas and houston there but we can get into it uh four takeaways yeah. each or four games or slash teams we want to talk about um uh, you go first though i want to see where you start. yourself.
0: So. yeah all right so mine's gonna be a little bit of a i don't say downer but like a little bit of a downer um i i'm i'm both optimistic and worried about UTSA women's basketball now. Um, okay, I'm glad you said so, this. Okay, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, first of all, I had to because, of course, unofficial UTSA podcast for women's basketball. Um, yes. so they beatoid and M Corpus Christi in overtime. We talked about that. And then they beat UTA, and then I think at UTA. And then they were really, really close against Texas Tech. Like played them really, really good in Lubbock. Um, The reason why it's a negative is because there's still no signs of Jordan (laughs) Jenkins. And that's why I'm concerned because they're playing well without her. Right. So that's definitely like the optimistic part is like, if she's close to coming back, that's awesome. Um, If not, you know, then this may be just the team they are, which is still a solid team, but still kind of one with probably a hard ceiling on them. Um, so yeah, mine's kind of a it's a two way it's a two it's a double edged sword because I was looking forward to this tech game in general just because I really wanted to see I think it would have said more about te- uh, UTSA than Texas Tech I don't want to say that other Texas Tech wasn't able to blow them out so therefore X I was more fascinated by how this team would continue to play and I mean again Cure White continues to be their go-to player not necessarily in scoring just overall on the floor she had she almost had a double double right at the point guard position sydney love had 18 points highest score in this game uh asia proctor off the bench 10 points five of seven uh five rebounds so they were able to um really really hang in there until late i believe they were they were down kind of a bit at halftime and I believe they're down by 10 or somewhere between like five and 10. And then they outscored him in the second half, right? And it was a yeah. kind of a low scoring second half where UTSA ended up outscoring them. Um, so, yeah. And then a, a little bit on the tech side, Bailey Maupin continues to be their go to player, which is kind of a really, really cool thing to see. She dropped 18 points in this one, 17 points against commerce she had. So, um, but sticking on UTSA, yeah, kind of a double edged. I'm still very, I'm being, I'm continuing to be very impressed, but I'm also like, There's, like, no signs of Jordan Jenkins right now, which is why I'm a little concerned.
1: Yeah, I I think you heard it well. I watched this game last night. um, A 63-58 to win for Texas Tech. Yeah. And the entire second half, it felt like it was a three-point game. Like, it was Mm -hmm. a three-point game, four-point game, five-point game. UTSA never was able to get over the hump. But I thought this was a really, really strong performance from UTSA. Like you said, without Jordan Jenkins, the ceiling's just not quite high enough to they don't have the versatility or you know really the scoring punch on the inside or uh, on the wing without without them they're very much a guard heavy team which is fine sydney love is awesome kira white's awesome um Alyssa uh or asia proctor um five of seven shooting freshman and um i thought she was fantastic 10 points she did have six turnovers but overall i thought she was really good so you know Alexis Parker 2 of 3 it's it's a guard first it's a guard oriented team uh but i thought they hung in there really well with Texas Tech Texas Tech and tries one to of the other thing, one of
0: the other things that uh we're seeing is Alexis Parker from the freshman last year she's in the starting lineup now so they're they're younger but they're also like seem to be better
1: yeah and Texas Tech tries to speed teams up and, and... UTSA did a really good job after the first quarter i'd say of not you know, giving them those turnovers, not throwing the ball away, not giving them easy breakouts. So like you said, I'm, I'm optimistic about UTSA in terms of what they have and what the job um, that they are doing there in terms of building their foundation. But uh, mm-hmm. They need Jordan Jenkins if they're going to be competitive in the American. Because I yeah. sincerely think with Jordan Jenkins, they are competitive in the American. This year. I was about to say, like,
0: they're, they're, they are almost like, and again, we'll see when she comes back uh, how healthy she is and all that. But, like, if they're this good without her, like, they could be punching up towards the top of the AAC. I'm not saying they're going to win or anything, but, like, they could be busting into that top group to where maybe we thought initially, okay, they'll kind of be middle of the pack comfortably. But, you know, we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then from the Texas Tech side of thing, I think it's worth noting. Um, I'm it's a really it's a fun team to watch, first of all. Um yeah. they're gonna shoot a lot of threes. They're gonna shoot probably 20 plus threes a game. Uh Bailey Maupin hits three of them. Um, they go seven to twenty-four from three. I love the pressure on defense. I don't know how much it'll work in the big 12 because they don't really <laughs> have those like game breaker type of wings that, that can get those steals. But between Shavers, um Maupin uh, Ashley I can never say a name che- Chevalier I think they said on the brother Chevalier yeah.
0: Chevalier or something like that yeah.
1: Chevalier there you go that's what it was on the yeah. podcast Chevalier um you know you have scores, and mm-hmm. I love that but the question this is it's going to be a very moment. like
0: uh like I think of like the word blitz when I think of this team right yeah. it's going to be gonna like gonna a lot to. of a lot of perimeter scoring and then like a lot of like you mentioned a lot of ter- just like trying to up the tempo so they can kind of use those guards against you
1: yeah so it, it's i I left this game from text tech perspective, not like overly concerned, but definitely yeah. you know i I felt like they if they were a little bit more crisp, uh maybe they could have uh put this game away earlier, but correct say sure. for sure um, I'm jumping to Texas,
0: yeah okay, I was about to say, I, I, I was I was curious if we both had them, and I think,
1: yeah. We both run. had Texas th- we both had these first two games. The, these were my first yeah. two. It was UTSA te- uh, Tech and then the Texas men. What's my takeaway? My takeaway is I nothing's really changed, but I think that they're going to be competitive. Like I don't think that they're in the top. I don't I honestly I don't think they're a top 15 team in the country, but yeah. they're going to no, be competitive with everybody. And that's that's a good thing. Um now I do want to say that I watched the full game against Yukon. I did not watch the full game against Louisville, uh, because of mm. LSU was fine at the time, so I was watching that. But um well, I, it's, I caught...
0: no offense, it's like until we saw the score, like it's Louisville. They weren't supposed to be in that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> going into the game, it was a 17-point spread for Texas. Now Louisville also had a good second game in this tournament. So they they played mm. uh, against Indiana, who Indiana's not shouldn't is not a top 25 top 30 team in the country but still so louisville actually looks like it has a pulse this year so good for kenny Payne, yeah. but still texas i thought was going to just run away with that game um at mm-hmm. least on paper going into it and to see them struggle the way they did to see obviously max A. Smith needs to hit a miracle game winner to beat yeah. louisville it, it wasn't a great sign but i didn't watch that full game so i was like all right i'm gonna watch the yukon game and see how i feel um so i don't overreact to louisville the Texas game was without Caden Shedrick. They're already without mm-hmm. Dylan Sue. So a lot of the game in the first half especially was we – Texas does not have the front court like defensively to hang with Klingin and uh, what uh, UConn's athletes attacking the rim. And so I, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that makes sense. But then as the game went on, I left saying I don't know like guard-wise – Azemus and Hunter combined to go 9 of 27 from the field. And I actually thought Hunter played a pretty solid game. But, like, do they have enough punch at the guard spot this year to compete with a UConn team that, I mean, Caravan, Ball, Newton, like, these mm-hmm. guys are legit guards in the Big East. And I didn't think they really did. I thought UConn never really was uncomfortable on either end of the court and even with yeah. Texas um, playing pretty well in this game. I thought Yukon pretty comfortably won. Um now again, Shedrick was not did not play, Disue didn't play, but uh overall I wasn't overly impressed from anybody except for one player for Texas. And I'm sure we can guess who that was if y'all watch the game. Uh Dylan Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell yeah. was that was the best game of his career. And um that he makes things intriguing though, now if mm-hmm. they can get to full strength, if Dylan Mitchell can reach this level.
0: Yeah no i i agree i think from both games what i what i can take from both games is that one i think i underestimated how much Kaden and Cedric, Cedric would help this team out um yeah when they initially yeah. brought him in um against louisville he was straight up just like feasting in the post uh they basically the whole the first half was like just them throwing him the ball and just like having him go to work um so first of all there's you know, if he comes back healthy, Dylan Dassault comes back healthy, who I, I think they're saying is he is nursing his way back. Um, that's a lot more front. And then you mentioned Dylan Mitchell. That's a lot more front court depth than I think I gave him credit for, especially when you add Anyema yeah. um, adding to that and Brock Cunningham occasionally at the small ball uh, as a small ball big. So I think front court underestimated. I agree on the bat and the, the back court, um, particularly on defense, because for me, louisville i was watching that game and one i agree that on the scoring end i think that's a game i think this is the team that's going to be realizing how much Sergei barry rice was like insanely helpful last year um because he would just hit that big shot every single time it looked like it looked like when mark every time marcus carr or like you know or hunter was was struggling they just had a guy who would just hit the shot right if they were on like a a three-minute drought or something, right? Surge Jabari Barry Rice will be the guy to kind of hit a big shot and kind of get things going. But defensively, they just look the 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 backcourt looks like it's a lot more easy to get through. And like I'm I was watching Louisville and they had they ran a lot of pick and rolls and a lot of screens to, to kind of free up their guys. And it looked like the defense just collapsed so easily for Texas. And this isn't a great offensive louisville team right this isn't like a louisville team that's like oh man they're you know they they give up a lot of points but they can score and that's why they're losing is because they can give up like they're not really good offensively um i think they've they had i think that was the first game they gave they scored 80 i think they played umbc but like that that was the other game where they scored like over 75 i think this year yeah um and so it, it just looked a little too easy as opposed to like in previous years you know again you can take this as a as a Chris Beard thing or whatever, like, or even Shaka Smart. Like that was the one thing you weren't going to do against Texas, right? It was like they were going to make it hard on the perimeter in particular to get inside. And it looked like Louisville, and then we kind of saw it against UConn where it's like, okay, this looks a little too easy to kind of break through. And that's – I tweeted it out, and uh, I had somebody kind of ask me, like, hey, what do you mean? Is like um, I mentioned, like, hey, talent acquisition wasn't Rodney Terry's issue at UTEP, right? <laughs> um, cause of course they land Trey Johnson in the, in the, in the last week. And in, in terms of the uh, class of 2024, uh, the top, one of the top guards in the, in the class. And I look at this team and I'm like, yeah, this is talented. Like, you know, I see the talent, I see the vision, but then I see kind of the problems with this team. And I'm like, uh. I mean, again, that wasn't the issue of UTEP, right? Like it wasn't the fact that he couldn't get guys there. Um, yeah. It was that, they were they were a little too easy to play against, and like you know, like you mentioned, like some of the consistency on offense necessarily wasn't there. So I don't know. It is it is. I oh, do you want to put an asteriskness to it because they are playing with somewhat of a hand tied behind their back with no DeSue and like you mentioned, no Shedrick for the last game, and we'll see. Um, but the issues there are issues that I'm very curious about because they're not necessarily. Like Dylan Dis Dylan DeSue doesn't help out the backcourt, right? he's no, he's at the front court. Um yeah, uh, Shedrick, you know, he's he's not a backcourt player either. So I think this backcourt is more or less healthy. And that's where I'm like, okay, well, what happens exactly when they're front? Do they change what they are and go a little bit more front court? I don't know. Um, somebody that I thought would be helping a little more would be was Kendall Weaver, and he really hasn't played that much so far this year. So I'm like, are they running with three guards basically the whole time? <laughs> Okay, but
1: when, when you looked at Kendall Weaver and IT Horton, yeah. Did what what were your expectations going into the year from them? Did you think they would that they were gonna be like plus players on on both ends or one end or
0: I thought I thought Horton to me it was surprising that Horton's played as much as he has, I thought. Yeah. Um, which might just be a necessity thing. Like they might just need him to play. I thought Kendall Weaver would be a valuable eighth ninth man. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I thought he would be. I thought about 10, 10 to 15, depending on how 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 much he was feeling it per night, 10 to 15 would be there. Um and I thought I just thought he'd provide a little bit more, or maybe he can and they just don't, you know, maybe they just don't trust him right now, or maybe he isn't isn't showing enough. Cause he doesn't look like he's, you know, they're not looking for him. He's not looking to score really at all. Um, I think his frame allows him to be to be. Allows for potential defensively, but he hasn't necessarily flashed enough there either. So, I don't know. It is a lot of it's a lot of Abe Miss and a lot of Tyrese Hunter. Like that's it's. I don't know. Like the the value last year again was that they had this third guy, and occasionally you know obviously he's not playing basketball anymore, but like occasionally arterial Morris would come off the bench if they needed him. But they had like other guys they could turn to just to give some guys rest.
1: Yeah, the the like literally the guards. Tyrese Hunter, Max Avesmus, Kendall Weaver, It Horton. Those are your four guards, right? I don't. Know. That's an issue. I don't, That's an issue. Like when you, pull, when you
0: play against when you when they play against Houston, when they play against Baylor, when they play against Kansas, like they will be throwing dudes at them. Like, like, like. I'm sorry. When you play against Houston, Jamal Shed shutting one of those guys down. Like he just is. Right. Like, and so what happens when they when when Amis or or um, or uh, Tyrese Hunter. Is just like shut down offensively and you gotta go through one other guard for all the offense. I don't I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Last year they were able to throw three guards out there with obviously with Carr and, and uh and Serge Bari Rice, but I don't know, man. This is we'll see, but I'm definitely there where it's like I think I'm making the where we initially had like a top four ish in the Big 12. I'm kind of putting it as a top three now. I don't think Texas is up there right it, as of right now.
1: Top three of Kansas Baylor. And Houston. Houston, duh.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I keep seeing there in the big both. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think we yeah. were we were we were thinking of like a, maybe a top four with Texas maybe on the outside looking in. I think they're really on the outside looking into that top I, now.
1: Yeah. I do want to give a shout out though. I do want to make sure we do um give a shout out to uh, Dylan Mitchell because that was a oh, awesome yeah. Thing. He just played. 100 so. percent Yeah, because
0: somebody somebody had to fill up that that Timmy Allen role, right? Where it's just like the guy that you can just count on every single night and he's looking like he looks he's looking like he has taken that kind of a step.
1: Yeah. All right. What else
0: you got? Oh, that was oh that's right. That was yours. That All was right. Much. Um hmm. let's see. I can go again All if right. you let's want. Talk little, let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about Charleston. Talk a little bit about Texas, uh, North Texas, and Houston a little bit. So, I think this North Texas team, and I want you to confirm with 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 your eyes and your intelligent eyes. I think this is the same team as we've seen <laughs> <in> multiple <laughs> years, <laughs> like straight up, like as, as much as we thought, oh, maybe what will change? and was like, oh, oh, no, man, this team is just the same team, which is a good thing. I want to say, like, that's a good thing. Like, this is a team that's like they're going to walk the ball up the court. They're going to make sure that, like, if there's a scoring drought, there's a two way scoring drought. Like nobody's scoring. <laughs> and, like and uh, What was the game against LSU? where they just like if both teams went scoreless for like six minutes yeah. or something like that? Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like it i was watching this game and i was like oh okay yeah no no nah, this ain't this ain't changing at all like this is just the same texas team we've seen
1: <laughs> and i want to say i am again i want to say like okay the difference is especially in the towson game and it happened i think at, at times in st john's but like this team looks like they'll be able to force more turnovers because of the length on the perimeter now mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. tyler perry's mm-hmm. gone so you have reuben jones and then you have like six three and six three on the wing you know so right. you have better size and better like you know hands everywhere uh to get into passing lanes and stuff so that i feel like they force more steals yeah but and they are their top 70 in the country in steal percentage but um and off of those that they've been able to get in transition more so that's where that's the main difference for me is that they're able to do that and they look for that more because under with tyler perry is like if they got a steal and it wasn't like obvious then they would just pull it out and give it to tyler and just run it but like even in like a two-on-two situation right now they're kind of going and looking for it so that's mm. good that's a positive uh overall though yes they are 359th in tempo uh through five yeah five games uh i do credit that a little bit to playing good competition in st john's and lsu uh and northern iowa um i mean through the first five games of the season they've played all top 200 teams in Kim Palm, or I'm sorry, five, four top 200 teams in Kim Palm. Northern Iowa was good. Towson's a solid team. Uh, LSU. for, for what it's
0: worth, we were wondering like who was the one that was like, was it Grant or was it Ross that was like doing the tempo thing? For what it's worth, Tech is uh, currently 263rd in the tempo. So like it was just both oh. of them. Just
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's, it was both of them. I think a lot of it was Grant, um, but a lot of it Ross understands the situation that they're kind of in, right. um, and it will be dictated by their defense it, it, when they play. I was about game to say, for,
0: for people that for people that wonder like why do they play so slow, it's because like if you play up tempo, you it, basically if you lose the ball in this kind of offense, right, in this methodical, you're in a position to then set up your half court defense to where you're not letting them get down court quickly, right, because you're not trying to take advantage of a of a 3v1, 2, 3v2, whatever, right, so like you're able to walk the ball up the floor, so everybody's kind of in unison when they go down the floor, so if there is a turnover, okay, cool, then you can kind of all in unison get back and set up, or if you score, then you're already prepared. You know, you get an efficient shot, so you're more likely to score. And so, therefore, boom, you're able to set up and not let things go or not let the other team push the ball when they get a rebound or something. So, there's a reason why they play this slow. And yes, like you said, it starts with that defensive system needing, uh, it's being risk averse, right, on defense. And so, it's not letting them get turned, not letting them get points in transition.
1: Yeah. Um, even with the, the schedule that they've had, which I think is a pretty difficult schedule, um, mm-hmm. they're 35th in the country in defense right now. So that's about on par with what we've come to expect from North Texas, and that's on Ken Palm, um, by the way. So uh, the St. John and LSU losses, two games, uh, you know, Ross Hodge and them are, are probably kicking themselves about because um, they were winnable. And those would have been mm-hmm. those like marquee wins that you always want if you're North Texas. Um, sure. God, yeah, the St. John the St. John's one was was disappointing. Fifty three to fifty two loss. Uh, late felt like North Texas had a chance there, but the LSU won up five with like three minutes left or something around there, and mm. to kind of fall apart offensively the way that they did was was pretty disheartening. Um, I, I do have question marks about the the center position uh, moving forward, sure. more or less. Soko and Robert Allen. Robert Allen I think is good, but he's not the biggest guy, so. Yeah, You know, against potentially like FAU or Memphis, uh, the top top of the American, they'll struggle a bit. But I think we saw with Towson, 65 to 39 win, like against everybody else in the American that's not Memphis and FAU. Mm -hmm. I feel really, really good about this defense and the versatility and the length and just everything they can do in making teams uncomfortable. So I actually left this tournament feeling good about North Texas in the American, but uh obviously, you know, they want you want to win one of those games against St. John's or LSU.
0: Sure. Uh are you worried about are you worried at all about John Bugs right now? No. okay what is he shooting? Uh 40% right now from the floor. And then I think he's I mean 38 from uh, wait no 35 from the three 35% on four attempts per game.
1: Oh no, no. Okay, I honestly—I I was wondering because like I,
0: I didn't expect—I didn't necessarily come in expecting him to be the leading scorer, but like five, six points a game is a little interesting to me. But,
1: um, I mean, seven of twenty from three, so not a huge sample size, thirty-five percent. But uh, no, Jason Edwards, that guy is a, mm. a bucket. He is—he's yeah. what Tyler Perry was two years ago coming mm-hmm. off the bench, and um, he's the very G- much an G- offense go fine man. Ajuko 22 points per game guy last year he's gonna he could lead this team in scoring him or aaron scott um mm-hmm. he's awesome so he's gonna be the guy that they expect to come in off the bench and be lou williams you know uh, tyler mm-hmm. perry that mm-hmm. that type of guy um and he's been awesome so uh, when the right. offense looks stagnant i think that they're gonna look to him and be like hey get us a bucket and a lot of times it can right. work i think aaron scott's also really good He's kind of feeling it out. He had a bad game against LSU, but um, played a lot better in, uh, against Towson. So, yeah, I, you know, against the size of St. John's and LSU, still almost won those games, but you could tell that's kind of where they're not quite there um, on mm-hmm. the interior against those type of guys that can post you up. So, but overall, yeah, no, I feel I feel really good about uh, where North Texas is at right now. Hmm. Shout okay. out 20, no. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I shot up 20 spots in Kinpom with that one, with that blowout win over Towson.
0: Okay. I mean, they, they, like you mentioned, those, those losses are like, quote-unquote, good losses. Like, they're competitive. That they, The games it should have won, so it's like the fact that they were close and very narrowly is like, okay, like, those aren't bad, you know, like, those aren't teams that, um, or when the results start going right, they're a team that you can start, like, rating better.
1: Yeah. Um, we can flip it to Houston. Also, North Texas plays Boise State in two weeks, so that's the next mm-hmm. time we'll talk about North Texas. That's a that's a big game for them. Uh, Houston men in the Charleston Classic, the mm-hmm. champions, did not have a game that was decided by single digits. <laughs> won by sixteen against Towson, ten against Utah, and fourteen against Dayton. The all, all none of those games were competitive in yeah. late in the second half, like at all, and so. Uh, I watched them play Utah in person. I caught the end of the Towson game, but that was a blowout. Uh, And then I watched Dayton on TV a bit. We were concerned, and I think we were justifiably concerned with Mm -hmm. the size on this team and the lack thereof. Um, But when you have the guards that this team freaking has, it really won't matter for about 95% of their games and um yeah that, that's my takeaway is these guards are good enough to single-handedly win you games like in the big 12 even i think so yeah i'll have questions when they play hunter dickinson or whatnot but sure no nah, dude this this guard the, the guards on this team jamal shed lj crier damian dunn emmanuel sharp is just a sniper um yeah. even malik wilson um Terrence Arsenault, if you consider him like a wing forward guy, so yeah, great offensive team, really fun to watch, and um, they are just really tough too. I didn't even mention Jamal, or no, I did mention Jamal Shit, but um, yeah, yeah, great team. Well,
0: speak, speaking of speaking of Shed, like I like the fact that he's able to do more than just score because, like, he you could tell. I was curious, like, okay, when you lose somebody like a Marcus Sasser, you know, like, does he as a senior? leader or at least upperclassman I don't know if he's yeah he's a senior um you know does he take on more of a scoring role and it's like well no that's why they brought in LJ Cryer and that allows him to I believe his assists are up this year um his rebounding's up this year so it's like he's he's allowed to be kind of that he's all-conference six, all, all-american defender that, that he
1: is six in the country six in the country in assist rate right now 14th yeah. in the country in steal rate right now
0: yeah, I mean, it, he's he's been insane because he's able to do so much more um, besides score, and he's, he's still able to put up, you know, that in his own right, but he's able just to be kind of a facilitator, almost like a, I don't know, like almost like the perfect point guard a little bit for, for what Kelvin Sampson wants when, you know, there's an off guard kind of being the, the main ball, the main score, I should say. And again, like you said, like we'll see when they play bigger teams. But right now, it hasn't. LJ Cryer's defense hasn't been an issue, just because everybody else is that good of a defender. Um, and so again, we'll see when they play maybe more teams with more scoring punch in the backcourt. Um, exactly how he holds up, because right now he's just able to focus on his outside shot, and obviously um, that's working out well. But we'll, you know, again, they haven't played the toughest schedule, so that's what I'm I'm kind of curious about to see. Um, I know Dayton, Utah and Dayton are good teams. I don't want to say like they're, they're bad teams. Yeah. Um, They're good teams, but we'll see when they play, you know, I think they get Xavier in a couple weeks. weeks. Um, they get Texas A&M in next month. So uh, we'll kind of see exactly, exactly a little bit more from them, which I, I would still f- pick them to win both of those games, but we'll see.
1: You know, um, I'll say this. Yeah. Um, they played Utah. Utah had some seven footers, seven one guys. Let's see where they ranked on the height index.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. Damn. I was right. They are the tallest team in the country?
0: Woo. Man, okay. So there uh, you go. Like they
1: start 7-1 and 7-foot, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I knew I knew that Brendan Carlson's really good for them. Uh, I watched a ton of Utah this week. Uh, but mm-hmm. um they the rebounding was pretty much equal. Um, Houston had yeah. 12 offense rebounds, 27 defense rebounds, Utah 11 offense rebounds, 27 defense rebounds. So um, I'll tell you right now. Jawan Roberts, I'm not sure there is a player in the country with more on their shoulders in terms of rebounding than that man right there. Um, Because everything is about rebounding, and he is currently 38th in the country in defense rebound percentage and 166th in offense rebound percentage. Um, I mean,
0: he could, and he could be, he could be like, I mean, we're talking about Jamal Shedd, like, he could also be classified as like an All American defender because what he's asked to do. Not only against other bigs, but like his, his, the pick and roll defense that he plays yeah. is crucial, right? Like it's, it denies the entry pass. He basically, like, if you remember the, the Chris Bosch heat, how they would, how they would just trap every single pick and roll uh-huh. and like try and, or at least like hard hedge every single, like that's what he does every single time. And so he's able to go against these bigs, but also lengthy enough to like get on the perimeter and like stop these screen and rolls. Um, mm-hmm. He's gonna like you said, yeah. There's there's so much on his plate in addition to being their only post presence, really. And when it comes yeah. to like dump off passes,
1: yeah, they played Joseph Tugler a bit, the the freshman who yeah. I know is mm-hmm. was highly rated. Uh, people like him, so. Uh, but I mean, even Tugler's listed at six seven six eight. So I was they, about to say they, these are a lot of tweeners, Not necessarily going to play. Bigger. They do not play a player over six eight. That's the bottom line. So that that's what yeah. makes it so impressive when they play the tallest team in the country in Utah and utah didn't have a chance right utah didn't yeah. look like they were ever comfortable on on either end but um and Jawan roberts goes five of six in that game shooting the ball so i it's just a really really good team and they have quelled any questions i have they do they are playing pretty slow 326 in the country in pace but they've, mm-hmm. they've always been pretty slow under samson yeah. uh, 339th last year 338 the year before so 332 the year before so uh yeah really good team congrats to them to winning the charleston classic like you said they got xavier in a couple weeks or december 1st and then a yeah. december 16th if they run through that we could be talking about an undefeated record going into conference mm-hmm. play um probably at some point they'll start being talked about as the number one team in the country if they beat xavier and AM.
0: i was about to say yeah because i think kansas is pretty t- or sorry purdue um yeah, they have, right like
1: now? they're in the uh, Maui right now. Purdue. Yeah, number oh, so uh, one
0: team's Kansas. Number one team's Kansas, basketball Kansas but then Purdue. I know is the te- top top tier Ken Palm team, um, and they have they have tougher schedules up until then. So yeah, there's definitely going to be some talk about hey, Houston if they can keep on this roll. All right, um, let's go to our buddy Joe Golding and let's talk some UTEP. So they had a huge win last night over Cal in the SoCal Challenge on a buzzer beater from tay hardy by the way do you know tay hardy's averaging 17 points a game right now
1: dude they are how many players are averaging double figures for them right now i feel like it's like
0: four so they're winning in the most we'll have to have joe golding on here because they're winning in the most un joe golding way possible they're like they're 90th in the they're 90th in the country in offensive effective field goal percentage right and they're first in free throw attempts so they're so aggressive in attacking the basket and they're yeah. th- 215th in defensive effective field goal percentage like they're not they're turning the ball over I should say they're 17th in turnover percentage on defense but they're not playing typical so joe golden bas-
1: forcing turnovers on defense yeah
0: forcing that's what i mean forcing turnovers but they're they're not playing typical joe golden basketball where it's like we're just going to you know not score much and you know hold you guys to some ungodly percentage is like no we're gonna score and we're just gonna frustrate you on the other end and tay hardy is he seemingly unlocked tay hardy because all of a sudden he's playing all conference caliber basketball i mean at this rate like again this we're only four or five games in but still like this is like player of the conference player of the year type stuff in like conference usa so we'll see because if he plays both ways like this he was already all conference defender like If he continues this level, we'll see because this is an insane start for him. He's shooting 45% from three, uh, 49% from the field. Like he wasn't a bad shooter from the field last year either Uh, anyway. So like if he's able to improve on that, that's insane. So yeah, UTEP huge win over Cal um, and they just look to be taking taking the step that we hope they would.
1: I feel good that we called this last week. We we called them being like legitimate last week because yeah. now they beat a team with Fardos, Amac and Jalen Tyson on it, and um, that's forgot, a really good. Fardos, AMAC. Don't forget about Fardoz over there. Nine no, of thirteen. Still a, still a double double machine. Eighteen and eleven yes. in this game. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, but this, I there is a different energy when this team plays. I don't know. Did you see the dunk that Corey Camper had? Uh, I found found it on Twitter. I'll send it to you. Just boomed it. And I'm like, Oh my God, these guys are just playing with like a reckless abandon that you don't expect those golding teams to play with. And offensively, it's like, I'm getting to the rim and I'm dunking this ball or I'm really (laughs) finishing hard. And these are the athletes that Joe Golding talked about, right? To where Mm -hmm. they finally have the combination of that athleticism, um, a little bit of defense, but now they can, they can shoot the ball pretty well. They can score off the dribble. Uh, this is I mean, Powell's
0: also scoring insanely right now, too.
1: This is an a- exceptional start to the season. Um The UC Santa Barbara win and the Cal wins are wins that they would not have gotten last year. Bottom oh, line. no.
0: absolutely, And yeah.
1: probably wouldn't have even got two years ago, even though they had, you know, enemy and all those guys. Um mm-hmm. This game tomorrow, Wednesday, November 22nd, neutral court against Bradley in the SoCal Classic, I think it's called. Mm. That's going to be the game to me. If they win that, I'm buying – all the stock now I should you, you might be saying I should be buying the stock beforehand right so that way it goes up um sure. I'm not that confident but if they win the game I'll be late to the party and I will buy all the stock but this is a Brad, really Bradley
0: well- yeah Bradley is by far their best uh on camp per camp that's by far their their toughest team so far I believe they're almost like twice as good per camp Bradley, as, as Bradley's
1: now. beating UAB Utah State and Tulane already and Tarleton yeah. State so Tarleton. but yeah. like They've already beaten three top 100 teams. So this is this is a big game for UTEP.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, I believe UTEP also, I'm trying to think. Let me see if I can find this exactly correctly. So Conference USA, looking at the Ken Palm ratings for Conference USA, they're, they're punching up, right? There's still Liberty at the top. Liberty, LaTex, Middle Tennessee, then UTEP so again they're kind of they're kind of creeping towards the top there of like the teams in the in conference usa that are like continued to to highly regret it um liberty it's kind of liberty far and away right now but everybody else is kind of bunched up in that like 115th to like 140 range um so i don't know man what the hell what was that
1: Liberty's 43rd in the country
0: <laughs> yeah Liberty is Libertys wow. impressing some people right now so we'll, we'll see um and they also don't I mean they have FAU coming up but like other than that they really don't have a tough non-conference schedule so we'll they'll probably just cruise through that um but still like uh, it's, it's just an insane start for UTEP, and I'm you know, it's really cool because we were kind of really hoping that this would be a real like a proof of concept here. And it is, but like in a different way, they're not winning like we saw. Like we said, they're not winning in a way that we're used to seeing his teams like his teams at ACU win, which yeah. maybe that was a thing that he needed to do there. Right. That, he, you know, like they need to play that way there because they couldn't get the caliber of athlete that he could hear. Maybe this is the way he wanted to coach all along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't have any other games that I have. Uh, I do have a result written down. I did not was any, was not able to watch last night, but mm-hmm. SMU beats West Virginia um, mm. seventy to fifty eight. And this isn't a great West Virginia team by any means, but sure, this is a this is a really good win for SMU. And I think more than anything, I I don't I wasn't down on SMU. Okay, I was down on SMU's offense. I yes, was never yes. down on the defense. The defense with Rob Lanier right now, they have figured it out to the point yes. where I trust them to hold almost everybody under like 65 points right now. And that's a really, really good stepping stone because, you know, Zurg Phelps still is shooting 20 times a game. He went 8 of 20 against West Virginia. Right. But if Ambrose Hilton can go 5 of 7, Chuck Harris 4 of 9, I mean, um, that that's the type of right off the bench goes four or five from three. So I did not watch this game. Again, I want to repeat that, but this is a great result and defensively to hold West Virginia, 37% shooting. That's a, it's a really, really good win for what, for SMU.
0: Yeah. I think SMU right now, they're 21st in the country in effective field goal percentage defense right now. So things are turning, right? Things are starting to, we were wondering when that, when they would start looking like a team that, that plays the Rob Lanier defense and, they are. They're seventh in two point percentage defense. They're allowing only 38% from, from two point percentage from opponents. So, yeah. again, I think this is just what they'll be. They'll be ugly on offense, but they're going to make sure that you have a bad time when you play against them. <laughs> and
1: I think they'll shoot enough threes on offense to where there will be games where they can get hot, like Harris mm-hmm. and Phelps. Like, if Phelps actually makes some threes, like, yeah, imagine that right, game. Right, right. Yeah. He started
0: actually hitting at a respectable clip.
1: <laughs> like, they're not going to lose. He's currently yeah. two of 18 on the year from three, but you know he can get hit a couple then i mean him chuck harris they, they got enough guys here ricardo Wright, that they can shoot so that that's the positive for them uh they got wisconsin on wednesday that's gonna be a slow and probably pretty ugly game but we'll see if they can uh get that win that's the last game i had written down um i'll well i have two other results written
0: down. yeah i have uh one more game i've written down as well um is it time to start talking about our boy Ron Huey and Houston women's again? Oh, just blowing right. teams out, blowing teams out right now. I believe they scored 100 again. Again, it's, it's grambling, but like they're putting up. A, that's not easy. <laughs> they're putting up 100 in like every single game so far. Yeah. Um, Layla Blair is averaging 20 points a game, right? Which is insane. Again, three games. We'll. There's a big asterisk on these, but like that's not easy to do. And so. I love because it also builds confidence, this type of like this type of run that they're on. So I'm very fascinated by this. Um, One of the results I had written down was keeping an eye on on SMU women's. They played Colorado, played them tough, like not great, not, you know, Colorado is, of course, number five right now. Um, They lost, but like Tiara Young's actually like looking like a really, really good player for them. Um, Averaging, I believe, 23 points, 20, 20, 22.8, 22.8 points a game. In the AAC, that's that can get some things done. So you know, just th- things to keep an eye on. Maybe I'll probably watch who they have coming up. Um, I'll probably tune on one of their games in more mm-hmm. in depth. Uh, they have Toledo coming up on Friday, and they have Harvard coming up next week or on Saturday. So um, I'll be tuning into those.
1: Uh, Sam Houston State beat Troy in overtime. Men's Sam Houston State men's. Okay. Um, Wilkerson dropped twenty five. They um allowed Troy to shoot forty eight percent from the field, mm-hmm. but forced twenty four turnovers. So that's the same Houston State team we know and love. Um <laughs> UTSA, the roadrunners of Steve Henson.
0: Oh god, okay. Beat- what do we Houston got? Christian?
1: They did, they did eighty nine to eighty seven. Good for them. Stacking up the wins. Stacking up the wins. Uh it didn't look like anybody was gonna get a stop. It was like fifty to fifty at halftime. But right. Um, you know, UTCA gets the dub, gets it done, and are now two and three on the year with two overtime wins against I'm sorry, one overtime win against Western Illinois and one two point win against Houston Christian. That close. To being zero and five on the year, let's let's keep that in mind. Uh, Now they got Jacksonville State.
0: You're not you're not bringing that up to say like, look, they've hung on for a few wins. Like, nope, they're that close to being winless. That
1: close to being zero and five. And if they were zero and five-ish, we would be having we'd be spending all forty minutes talking about UTSA (laughs) and what they need to do. Um, But yeah, Jacksonville State, Incarnate Word, Lamar, next three games. Try to get a win in one of those three. We'll see. Jeff
0: Trailers buyout's only six million, so there you go. Mm. That's what they're trying to wait
1: on. That's what they're waiting
0: yeah. on. Um, oh, that's the last one I got. I think
1: I did look at a Tarleton game. I don't have it up. I did look at a Tarleton game and yeah. was flabbergasted because I think there was only like ten free throws shot by Tarleton in the game. Let me. Just oh, it's it disgusting. Up. And I just wanted to know what happened. I was not able to watch it though.
0: That's disgusting. Tarleton. Did they win?
1: Let's see. Was it this Austin P game?
0: Yeah, they what well, they beat Austin P.
1: Yeah, listen to this. Disgusting. They beat Austin P. sixty six to fifty nine. Okay. Austin P. only shoots eight free throws. Uh, Austin only uh, shoots nine. That's horrendous. Austin only had ten turnovers, and Austin P. only had fifteen turnovers. So I don't really know what What's was home
0: basketball that's going on. Apparently, in 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 Stephenville.
1: <laughs> I don't know what was happening in this game, but we need to fix it. All right, we need to fix it. We need to get back to what we know and love. Of shooting 20 plus free throws per game.
0: Where's my chaos ball? It was yes. Billy Gillespie. Call us. What's going
1: on? Fix it, on? Billy. Fix it.
0: <laughs> That's all I got.
1: All right. You don't have any other games?
0: Uh, no, just the let's see. I think I think UTA under KT Turner is looking really solid right now. Um, they they got blown out by Arizona, but they almost beat New Mexico, which New Mexico's top 80 or top 60 I, in the country. I, so Again, they beat Oral Roberts to start the season, and I've been very intrigued. I was talking to, I was calling a game on Texan Live this past Saturday, and uh, James Tritley, who um, who I called it with, he's a UTA grad, and he's like, everything about this team, just from talking with him, he's like, everything about this team so far is like really trending positive. So I think that's, I mean, it's a good sign because like UTA was a really, really uh, depressing program the past couple years with no direction. And it seems like he's just brought in like a light, a, you know, kind of a breath of life. Um, they get Texas State this Saturday and they play Alcorn tomorrow on Wednesday. So, you know, we'll see. I think they, you know, this is a Texas State team they can definitely beat right now. Um, but we'll see. I, th- I think this is a good sign for for the start there for KT Turner.
1: Stephen F. Austin Men, 67th in the country right now in Kempom, fourth in the country in three point percentage, 30th in two point percentage. One of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, Just beat Drake, 92-68. to 68. That's a top 100 win. Play Utah State tonight. Neutral court. Uh, I'm assuming this is the championship game, whatever tournament this is. Yeah. Big game. Big game for SF. If SFA wins this thing, they might not lose a game for a while. Well, I shouldn't say that. They got Tarleton next, and who knows what happens when you put Tarleton. Hey, but let's go. Tarleton and ACU, two conference games after yeah. this one. Uh, if you win this i um, SFA. I'm all in on them winning this conference.
0: Okay. I'm down for that.
1: So, all right, that's it. Um, went through all those games. We'll be back on Friday to um, talk about, it. it looks like all the tournaments are kind of wrapping up right now. I think they want to be done before Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. or around Thanksgiving, but um, yeah, we'll be back to wrap all that up. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, check out the YouTube. If you haven't already, check us out on Twitter at DCT basketball. Our Twitters are right there um, and over there. Uh, and yeah, we will talk to y'all later.